seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Welcome, friends, to episode one five zero of Color of Magic, your magic gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. As always, I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for one hundred and actually, it's not five zero. I was say it's five foot five. Yeah, here at one fifty two. So one hundred and fifty two episodes. Brian's been by my side. What's going on, man? The new, the new one fifty two for all you DC Comics fans out there. Yeah. Something like f that. Like, like <laughs> wow, <laughs> the whole fifty two universes thing, whatever, is one of the most garbage things in comics. Wow. Yeah. By the way, we didn't talk about the, the pre-show. This is the unsolicited decoy wants a hot take right to, right oh, yeah. there to start I'd, this show. I'd go scorched earth on that. Like, I think that is... When it, like, I feel like you picked up the match already. Yeah, well, here, here's the problem with it, right? Like, it, it basically means any story I ever read has no value. Because wow. you're just, you can just replace characters or changing. And it's like, oh, no, this is this person from, like, Earth 15 or whatever. And it's like... Uh, and then we do all those stories like 52 and countdown or whatever. And it's just like a mishmash of stuff constantly that like, it's hard, man. It's hard to be interested in that. It's like, what's, where's my investment go? You know what I mean? You don't even like if they do like weird stuff, you know, like, Hey, there's a planet where all the characters are zombies. You're not in for that either. You just, uh, I'm okay with that as like one-off stories. Like, you know, like when Marvel did Marvel zombies, like I knew that wasn't going to be, like true part of canon on any real level. So I was kind of like, yeah, this is fun. Read through four or five books and then I just go back to normal. You know, like I, I could buy into that for short stretches or even do like your what if books. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's fine. Like, hey, what if this character did this thing? Or what if Peter Parker got bit by, I don't know, a radioactive mosquito or whatever, you know, whatever ridiculous thing you want to do. Right. I, I'm down for those stories, but it doesn't, it's kind of like in Marvel. At this point, as far as I know, Jean Grey is still dead. I think she's currently alive. Okay, because like, there's a point where she's dead for like real time, like 12 years or something. Yeah. She's just dead, dead. I'm like, okay, cool. But like, if I was in DC, I would literally just be like, she'll be back in 24 months tops. You know what I mean? Like, there'd be no concern about a character being gone. That, that's my issue with it. That's most comics, though. Cause who stays dead? I, hey, I'm just saying, Jean Grey was gone. You know what I mean? Like, and they, and credit to Marvel, because they did a bunch of setups where, like, oh, this is where Jean Grey is going to come back. And then nothing, right? And then we're like, oh, we got this other little redheaded baby or whatever. That, that must be the, the new coming of the Phoenix. Like, nope, wasn't that either. Right? You know what I mean? Like, they, they knew you thought it and they were setting you up constantly. So credit to that. Just, you know, playing with the reader's emotions, knowing kind of what we already think, but not giving into it. But I'm sure some people love that, though. You know what I mean? Like, people yeah, probably, like but I'm sure some people love it. <laughs> you know, I, and I'm, I get that. There's some things I'm just not going to enjoy that other people really do. You know, I'm sure some people like that. There, there being, you know, still 48 Robins available to use for different things or whatever. You know what I mean? Some people probably still, still like that premise. So, hey, I, I ain't yucking somebody else's yum. If you like it, like it. I don't have to buy the books, right? They do it enough that some number of people are still buying it, and it appeals to folks. And I tried. I tried doing, like I said, like Countdown and some of that stuff. Hell, that's like 10 years ago now. But like that, I think that last run was where I kind of went, this is like the fourth time I tried getting in on this whole 52 Earth thing. And I just couldn't do it the last time. It, it got me. Pushed me too far. <laughs> but all right, before we get into today's show, because we have a bunch of just random interesting stuff this show. So I think everybody's going to, this is going to be one of those shows where people learn a lot. You know, that's the way I feel about this episode. This is going to be one where people are going to learn a lot. So if you're in, be prepared. This is going to be educational. But before we get into that, pay some love to the show sponsor over at Cardsphere.com. They are genuinely a great place where you can name your price to buy cards and to sell cards. And that's not even a joke. That's not even just a catchphrase. Like, totally legit on how the site works. You go check it out. If you're not sure, look me up over on the YouTubes. I have two videos explaining to you what the site is and the details and how you can actually use it and save even more money using their website. And what's cool is I've had people hop in my Discord and stuff say like, man, thanks for turning me on the website. Oh man, I've already saved money on Cardsphere. 
some dudes were like, they signed up and within a week already had cards coming into the mail. So yeah, so it definitely works. So go check them out over at cardsphere.com. And then if you want to support the show over on Patreon, you go to patreon.com slash color magic and you can get a shout out like our newest patron, Joshua Joyce. So thank you for coming on board and being one of our, our, I, our pips. We're going to try pips now. We're going to go back to pips. Until <laughs> somebody gives us something better. We're, I think so Gladys Knight's lawyers shows up. We're exactly. going to rotating between pips and peeps. I don't know what we're doing yet. There's got to be a better thing out there. But anyway, thank you for coming on, Josh. And then if you want to get some cool stuff for yourself to rep, go into your events and support the show, check out colorofmtg.com slash shop where you can get some tokens and some play mats with all of our likenesses and fun stuff, logos and whatnot from the show. All right. Let's go in to some soapbox action today. Now, this is going to be one of those times I don't actually have so much of a rant other than we've kind of gotten away from connecting with each other. Mostly because, you know, I get it. We were all busy. We all have information and, and entertainment at our fingertips. We're finding ways to stick because everybody's got a side hustle these days to pay their bills or whatever, right? Totally understand. But to that end, uh, if you don't know, there's a guy on the interwebs that goes by Austin Creed, otherwise known as Xavier Woods. He is the host of G4 shows and also a WWE superstar and just a genuinely fun human being. Like, dude is just, I like, I mean, even among wrestlers, just... Average people who met, I have met nobody who says anything bad about this guy. And in pro wrestling, that's rare. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And he's super positive. I mean, obviously, the whole New Day crew is. But dude is way into gaming, right? His Up, Up, Down, Down channel has several million viewers and subscribers. Lots of fun challenges on there. Some he does with other wrestlers. It's just fun stuff. But on one of his latest episodes, he was talking about one of his friends who had just the most interesting idea that I wanted to share with our listeners. But what his friend does is instead of using Google when he first wants to know something, like let's say he wanted to know what's the best fertilizer for some plant he's putting in his garden, right? Instead of looking it up on Google, he will go through his phone and look at who he knows that does a lot of gardening. And then he will call that person. And the interesting thing is, Half the time, apparently, the person says, well, couldn't you just Google that? And he says, well, yeah, but I also haven't talked to you in two years. You know, and gives them a chance to reconnect with somebody while learning something. And the interesting thing, it says a lot of those calls, you know, as much as you think some of them be three minutes, he says some of them are actually like 40, 45 minutes because you're just getting a chance to reconnect with somebody that you hadn't spoken to in years. He said one person he apparently called he hadn't spoken to in eight years. Wow. Yeah. And the funny thing is, this kind of, I don't know if I want to say touched me or whatever in some way, but I was recently looking at the contacts in my phone and I had that genuine thought of like, why am I holding on to all these numbers? Like there's people here I know I haven't spoken to in 10 or 12 years or more, right? Like I was, I should probably just delete these. But then I saw this and I'm like, man, maybe I should do something like that. Cause I just, it just seems like a cool concept. You know what I mean? Like, what other reason would I have to call somebody? Now, admittedly, after 10 years with some of these people, I don't even know if they have the same phone number. You know, hell, some of them I, probably was a landline number. Right. <laughs> probably have a cell phone now. So I don't even know if the numbers would be valid. But what I was thinking is maybe I'm going to go through and everybody I know, at least that I'm aware of their skill set and their expertise or whatever, even if I haven't spoken to them, I'll probably leave them in the phone. But I might do that a couple of times. And speaking of which, we just cut the landline like with probably within the past year, year and a half. And I mean, somebody, somebody sent me because they just when they saw my number in their context, just assumed it was a cell phone. And hey, I sent you a text. Did you get it? What number did you send it to? And I told them, no, it's a landline. And I mean, they looked at me as if I had said, you know, I. <laughs> Just like just for I thought for like like I said I had a, a rotary phone or something <laughs> for real and I and I feel you right because almost every internet package wherever you get they're like we'll give you a free landline or whatever right and you like, huh? and I thought about it just as like an emergency phone because you know when power goes out you can still use a landline exactly line. so like 
I'm still considering, but that'd be like the only reason. I don't even think I would give anybody the number. I would just have it for an emergency purpose, you know, but. And then the last place we lived had just for whatever reason, it was really bad, dead spots in terms of cell service. So for medical stuff, we just had the landline for a long time. Yeah, that makes sense, too. Right. So in those cases, I think it makes sense to still have it. But yeah, like I said, it was just an interesting thing that I hadn't really thought about that. Like we talk a lot about not reconnecting with people or whatever. And that's such an obvious, easy way to do it. And even a good reason to do it. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to just like call them like, hey, man, we hadn't talked in like four or five years. That's a little awkward for people. Yeah. Do you at least have an intro to the conversation of like, hey, I was trying to figure this out. And I know you do this a lot or whatever. I know, you know, you do sciencey things or you're great with engines or whatever it is and gives you just a straight into the conversation. And it probably makes the person feel good, right? That you're acknowledging their expertise so it's a good gateway to to reconnect and open that relationship again. But yeah, anyway, I just thought it was a cool technique. I thought it was something that people may want to know about or try. But I just thought the timing was so weirdly fortuitous as I was like looking at contacts in my phone and stuff. And then that came up. So, yeah, like I said, not so much a rant, but just like, hey, here's something you could do to reconnect. But all right, Brian, I'm going to pass this over to you. Yeah, mine's a good old fashioned. I, I hate people sometimes. A woman in a, a woman in the Detroit area, black woman, won uh, did won a significant amount at a local casino. Went to the bank to cash her, you know, big casino check, and basically the bank gave her grief, you know, thinking it wasn't a real check. Not only did they not cash or deposit the check for her, they were going to try to keep the check because in their mind it was fraudulent. Just like, yeah, there's no way a black woman has this much money. We're just, we're going to keep the check and we're probably going to call the cops. Yeah. <laughs> That's messed up. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's just like the nicest lady. She was a teacher for 30 years. She actually won the money. When, uh, with, she was on, a, on a, uh, an outing with a bunch of her church friends. If you could have picked a nicer old lady for the bank to just be total jerk phrases to, you just you just couldn't have. And here's, here's the problem, though, right? I feel like this is probably the fourth incident we've heard about this in the last probably six to nine months. Right. So it's not like I don't know. I just feel like if you were in the banking industry or you're a bank manager or whatever, you would at least use one or two of those exercises to train your people. Just say like, hey. This was a high profile thing that happened. Here's how we should handle something like this if it comes in, right? Because it would have been totally fine. Even if you just lied to them, just be like, you're going to take the check and say, like, hey, there's going to be a 24 hour hold, but you'll see the money show up in your account tomorrow, right? And so I think they, that, that is a customary thing they do if it's a yeah. big amount, just, you know, to make sure they don't get scammed. So, yeah, that would have been not been out of the ordinary if they said, hey, 12, 24 hour wait or something. And, and as a worker, you gives you a chance to talk to your boss or your manager, whoever you got to talk to. They can verify because literally they can call the casino and verify, you know, with their payout department or whatever. If it's They're, a big enough amount, you can check their website because there's a PR person that writes that stuff up. Yeah, also true. Right. So there. So in that case, when it involves a casino, there is zero reason. Because I'm assuming the casino is probably even in the same town because you probably just right? or whatever. So like. That's super easy to verify. That That's the part that makes the story the worst. It is not like this is from like another private party or some random business that gave it to her. This is a big, a big facility you can just call. I'm thinking one of the casinos that I do shows at sometimes, they literally post big winners to their Facebook. You wouldn't have even had to call anybody. <laughs> you yeah, just done. And I'm going to guess that's probably the industry standard at this point, because, you know, who doesn't have doesn't have Facebook? Hell, I sell some. They were they had those electronic billboards. So as they were right? the winner, they just flip it through and just put the new person's picture on it with the yeah. new amount. So they, like, they would have had yeah. to do zero work to verify that and didn't do it. Yeah. And see, this woman never gonna try to keep the one check. What, <laughs> like, what she went 70 to 100 K? She's probably gonna end up getting three times that now. Right, because this made again national news. I would this isn't the kind of thing I'd be talking about had you know had they treated her right and just handed her her money. It wouldn't would have been in the cell box. It might have been in some other category, but it wouldn't have been unless she was related to me or something. But that's my point. I even you didn't even have to immediately give her the money. There were other ways you could still buy yourself 
up to 24 hours to verify it. Right. Like, that's the thing. And even if you decide you're not going to do it, let her take her check back and take her business elsewhere. Don't try to keep the woman's check. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But that's theft. You committed theft at that point as a bank. My thing is, even if you thought it was fraudulent, like you already have all of her info. So, like, even if you said, hey, we're going to take time to verify this, whatever, like you can call the cops and they just go to her house like you have her information. Right. So I don't even understand that aspect of it. Like, yeah, the whole thing's just a disaster. That's tough. That's tough. Hopefully she gets a good settlement because she deserves it. All right. Let's talk to some other fun stuff here because you know what time it is. We got to tell people about things that we learned this week, because I think we both have some pretty fun stuff for the category this week. Yeah, we are, as I'm sure the long-time listeners definitely know that uh, Daquan and I are huge wrestling fans. And and, uh, somebody that we've been kind of going back and forth on on podcasts and on Twitter and whatnot, Braun Strowman, the monster among men, has returned, which I guess is not a huge shock because one of the things Triple H has been doing to take over creative is hiring back Almost, uh, you can be hiring everybody, but a lot of the big name people that Vince had decided to let go recently. So he's, it was still yeah. great to see him. He came up there and just obliterated, I believe, eight people. So, yeah, and that's what he should do, you know. And the cool part about it is, it seems like the new regime is at least going to play to his personality a little bit more, you know, because they've already, he already got like, a talking segment or whatever right after that, you know, so you're already in a little bit of a different position than he was before. And to be fair, you kind of needed at least one other big body, not just a big body, but you need another big athletic body, you know, because the thing that kind of throws everything out of whack is when you have a dude like Bobby Lashley, who is one, when they talk about like chiseled out of stone, (laughs) like the dude, he's in he like damn near 50 now or something like he would have to be because I mean, he—if you remember when they, when they had the whole battle of the billionaires, I mean, he shaved Vince McMahon's head on order of yeah. Donald Trump, and that's and that been, was twenty years ago. Yeah, you know, so he had to have been upper twenties, maybe thirty then. So, right? but the dude—he's ex-marine, you know, all that. Uh, hell, was an Olympian or whatever at one point, you know, trying to or trying to get into Olympics. He aired himself in the Olympic trials, but. He did MMA too, I believe. Dude is just ripped. Like insane stamina, like just everything about him. So you can't just have generic big man against him. And I think when you have like Omos, that's one of the problems, right? Omos is big, but he can't move and do the stuff that Bobby But Braun Strowman, we've seen Braun Strowman. And Braun Strowman, for those of you who don't know, Braun Strowman is an ex-strongman competition guy. He's like damn near seven feet. I think he's like six, eight, six, nine. Weighs probably, I'm guessing, still upper 300s, like just a big, muscly dude. And he can still do drop kicks. Right. That's how <laughs> that's how he got discovered. He was actually discovered by Mark Henry, who is, you know, the world's strongest man. He was out at a at a strongman competition. He said not only did he see Braun, you know, obviously picking up tons of tons of weight to, but then he saw the guy doing interviews and saw how he was with the media. And he went and immediately called WWE, like, yeah, y'all gotta see this guy. Yeah, and by the way, have you heard the craziest Mark Henry story that uh Taker told about him in the bus? Uh, I, I, oh, I, okay. I, I know we've discussed it. I don't remember whether we talked about it on the air or not. But as the story goes, they were in Europe on a tour. And you do buses old school. You have two buses, one with the faces, one with the heels. Because, you know, whatever. Kayfabe. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't let people know that good guys and bad guys travel together. But anyway, so they're on the one bus. And they're trying to get out. But I guess some people in the time the bus park parked right up against it. So they can't get the bus out, right? And they're they're needing to take off because they're already getting time crunch. So at one point, Taker's getting frustrated about it because, you know, he's Undertaker and, you know, you ain't going to tell him not to be frustrated. So Mark Henry looks at him and says, I got you, dog. Like, grabs a towel, <laughs> goes outside the bus, gets up under the bumper of the car that's too close, picks up the car, <laughs> swings it out of the way in, like, two attempts, right? Walks it over a couple feet, drops it, resets his hands, walks it the rest of the distance so the bus can get out. And I'm like, that is unreal strength. Yeah, because it's not just because I'm sure like 90% of the people do strawberry competitions, 
can lift a car, but the fact that he just the same way you're like, oh yeah, let, let me let me help you move that couch or, yeah, you know, exactly. or that end table. That's what I'm trying to tell people. It's not that he could physically do it; it's that he already knew he could do it. And then In the same way you you would offer to help somebody move, you yeah, know, it's just cool. that this wasn't like a VW bike. It was like a midsize car. So he just goes out, lifts it up, comes back in like nothing happened. Like, I mean, and there's been videos like he's one of the few people that's done whatever they call the thing where you, there's a ridiculously shaped weight that you it's almost impossible to lift up with one hand. And he's one of the only people who's been able to do it. Like he's rolled up frying pans like just right in front of people like the dude's unreal, unreal. But yeah, Braun Strowman, cool to have him back. Uh, hopefully we get some good stories, good feuds. I honestly think this is the beginning of the end for Omos, though. Yeah, yeah I feel like you might be right, but it's just it, they give Giants so many chances. And to be fair, Omos has a lot of personality. He just doesn't, and it's partly his size. He just isn't able to move in the ring, I don't think. And that's tough because we saw him with Bobby Lashley when they wrestled, and like Lashley pretty much carried that whole match. So like, I don't, I don't know what you do there. But it's cool to see, you know, people that as fans and viewers, we all saw kind of like, I don't want to say unjustly released because, you know, companies make whatever decisions they would make, but maybe unfairly released, you know, being yeah, definitely unpopular releases with the fan base. I would say you're talking about being good on the microphone, you know, being athletically talented, some of them being significantly over with the audience and just for whatever reason, there was no storyline for them or they were just being underutilized or whatever. So it's cool to see that those that aren't under contract elsewhere at least still have the door open to come back. Because we've already seen four or five, and rumor has it there's a couple more we're going to see before the end of the month. So, And boy, with the recent events in AEW, a few people are going to be trying to, to get out of their contract. <laughs> yeah, okay, we're gonna, before I get to my thing, we're going we're gonna to sidetrack on this for a second. But for those who don't know, AEW is kind of like the big number two competitor to WWE right now. And... They started, what, about three years ago now, I guess? It's not been that Yeah, that sounds right. And their whole startup was basically superstars from New Japan and other, we'll call them recent cast-offs of other major organizations. And it was cool because a bunch of them were fan favorites if you were way into wrestling or whatever, and it made sense. And everybody was hyped about it. But I remember, and I told many people this, and they were trying to call me a hater, and I said, it's easy to be excited when you're the new hotness. Right. It's like when people start a new business, everybody's got energy and you're like, hey, I got this idea and we're going to beat the competition. I'm, I'm going to show people how it's done. And you come in with all this moxie and, you know, energy and whatever. But then I said, let's see what that looks like after a year, year and a half. And like the TV ratings start to stagnate and you're not picking up those new fans. And, you know, and then a thing that happened that none of us thought was going to happen for probably another five, six years was Vince going away. In WWE, right? So now all the problems people thought they had in WWE don't exist no more. So all those people that were putting up with little things in AEW because they were like, ah, yeah, but I don't want to go back to WWE and deal with that or whatever. Like, this is the best spot for me or whatever. Well, now those things that were bugging you, you're like, well, things are looking good over there now. Right. right. You know? All the John, John Moxley said he'd rather work at a grocery store than go back to WWE. Yeah, I'm sure he probably will have a different opinion now. Yeah, people were not happy, right? And every, literally every report is USA is happier with WWE. Like, all the wrestlers are happy. Like, there's more projects going on. They're talking about signing new deals. You know, people that were talking about never working with WWE again are talking about going back, right? So it's night and day. You're talking, what, five weeks later, six weeks later? The last two pay-per-views have been really good. Even, oh, yeah. you know, Clash of the Castle, which is usually the, 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 usually the pay-per-view is like Crown Jewel, Clash of the Castle. Those tend to be throwaway pay-per-views, no storylines. No, Clash of the Castle was even really good. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? So now you're starting to see all those things in AEW that were like festering under the surface. Now people are going like, yeah, this annoys me, and I do have another quality option right now. And not to go too deep, but if y'all know from what happened last weekend, we're going to see a lot of fallout in AEW over the next two, three weeks. Because that, that, oof. well, I'm going to move on because if not, we'll be way off. Right, <laughs> right. right. All right. So anyway, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, this, okay. This is actually gaming slash sports related. 
But if you haven't heard of it, and if you're if you're of Indian descent, you may have heard about this because you probably played it growing up. But it's a sport I just discovered called Cabidi. I believe it's K-A-B-B-I-D-I. And it is one of the wildest sports I have seen. Now, I was telling Brian off off air that if ESPN 8, the Ocho existed, I would watch it, right? Because <laughs> I've watched lumberjack competitions, cheerleader competitions. Hell, I've watched all kinds of crazy stuff, right? So, Cabity, I'm like, I got to see what this is all about. By the way, last weekend, I did watch the finals of the Cornhole Championships. Like, I didn't even know it was a thing, but the storyline was good, and I was learning the scoring, and like one dude had a big lead, and the other guy was making a comeback, and the dude who was in front, it was like, He's been in the sport for 11 years and it was his first chance at a championship. So, like, it had all the makings of a fun story. But anyway, so, Cavity, to give you kind of the short version that I figured out of how to explain this, it's a cross between some level of like dodgeball, rugby, you know, a couple other like small physical sports, a little bit of wrestling. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. But the premise is you have two teams and you have a a small court that has a divider line in the middle and then like a scoring line on either side. And each team gets a main person. I forgot what they call them. They're they're like the runner or whatever. And you're up against the other teams. I believe it was seven people. And they can't do anything to you until you tag a person. But once you tag a person, you're trying to get back across the line. And all, all you have to do is get your fingertips on that line. Right. You're trying to get back across that line and they're doing everything they can to stop you from getting over there. And, you know, there's point scoring or whatever based on different things. But the interesting thing is, if you do tag somebody and you get across the line, the team loses that person and your team gets a person back. So it's it, there's like stakes involved, whether you succeed or fail on top of just scoring the point. And the cool part about the sport is it originated being basically played by poor kids in just random Indian neighborhoods and stuff because it doesn't require anything, right? Just physical bodies. And the interesting thing is, from what I understand, the guy who started the biggest league for it was one of those dirt poor kids that just grew up, became a multimillionaire, and he said, hey, his problem was he felt like a lot of things in Indian descent were not viewed as having value, right? A lot of people were adopting other things from other cultures, but the things of their own weren't being lifted and accepted outside of India, in his view. So he decided to take the thing that every Indian kid would at least be aware of or know of and say, like, let's turn this into a marketable thing. And the dude went out and got, like, designers for uniforms. He got stylish for all the players. So they all got, like, nice, clean haircuts and trimmed. And we're like, and dude, it looks good when you watch it. Like, I had never heard of it before, and I caught myself on YouTube watching like a couple of hours of like these championship matches and stuff. And it's intense. It's it's physical, but not violent. You know, is the best way to describe it. Like, obviously, there's impact and stuff from people tackling each other, but it's not like you don't ever feel like anybody's out to hurt each other. You know, if that makes sense. I'm gonna check it out. It sounds like a lot of fun. Dude, it is crazy cool. So, like, if you yeah. want to, I said I'm somebody that would watch, you know, ESPN, the, the Ocho, or whatever. Yeah, I'm just telling people, like, if you if you want an insight to a part of a culture you don't know much about, and you want to learn about a thing people grew up with, like, it's such a they created such an accessible way to watch it, and even the way it's filmed and recorded, like, you can tell they've thought about the presentation of it and everything, and it. It looks like like if you didn't know and you just saw that, you would think like, oh, this is like a sports sport. You know what I mean? Like people know about it. you would think it's like a big national sport the way they present it. And it's just very well done. So credit to that whole league. Like it's a thing I'm probably going to watch some more of. But yeah, it's just wild. I did not know it was a thing. And it's funny you mentioned all the odd stuff on ESPN. You know, my funny story, my, my, my stepdad at the time was a big, you know, huge, well, typical, you know, manly man, watches all the sports. And my mom was just tired of it. First thing he would do after he got off work is come home, kick his feet up, you know, like a sitcom dad, turn on whatever was on ESPN. So he comes home, does this one day. Mom's like, good God, do you enjoy anything else in life other than, you watch everything, literally anything, you know, including goat roping, (laughs) competitions, whatever. I just want to watch anything else. So he flips channels, puts it on Oklahoma. And I swear, 
Mag did not know that perhaps the only thing my mom hates more than off-brand sports is Broadway musicals. Oh, dog. Really? <laughs> so the thing he picked was Oklahoma, and they're right in the middle. When the, when the wind goes, you know, stuff that if you like musicals, this is your favorite part. My mom just gets this damn pad looking like, God damn it, go back to the girl room. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> That's one of those, like, be careful what you wish for. Like, right. <laughs> monkey paw curls. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. All right. Let's get into the news of the week here. All right. So remember a couple of weeks ago when they announced the whole thing about Magic 30 and we talked a bit about the, I guess they were calling them sponsorships or scholarships or whatever for the show. Well, I got my first report of the first person who's been awarded one. Now, I am going to preface this as this is a friend of that person who has reached out to me. So I have not gotten to spoke to the actual person who won it yet. So I just want that to be clear in case something comes out later, whatever. This is like passed on to me because they knew I would have interest in it and they, they listened to the show. But from what I understand, this is a mixed race woman who won it from, we'll say the state of Washington. I don't want to say where, just in case she may not have announced or have people know that she won it yet. But this is a person who's actually not a content creator. And this is interesting, right? Because we talked about it. Like, we didn't know why they worded it the way they did. We didn't know what they were looking for. And by the way, I don't know what she submitted yet. I'm trying to find out so we can talk about it or even have her on on a future episode. But this is interesting because one of the things we did mention is they were maybe trying to not be specific because they wanted everybody's story. They wanted everybody's reason to my understanding. This is somebody who also hasn't been to many conventions, you know, so maybe this is like, what you saying? Okay. Why don't we make this your first one and make it a memorable thing? You know, if maybe they, like we said, maybe they purposely didn't want creators. So they didn't want people designing certain packages of stuff to show to them. That's going to be so over the top and clean or whatever. They just kind of wanted somebody's raw story, potentially. Like, I, I still don't know. Like, we're not going to know until we find out whatever. They were given 10, I think it was. So until we find out more of the people, we're not going to really have an idea of what the overall criteria was. But I thought this was pretty cool. You know, also means it doesn't even have to be somebody who's, I don't know, 100% black or 100% Asian or whatever, right? This is somebody who's mixed race. And is anybody really 100% of yeah, anything? Yeah, let's be like you're 23andMe or whatever, I'll tell you that these days. But I'm told this is also somebody who has had issues because she presents certain ways in certain audiences or whatever. So that could have been part of her story that she presented to Wizards. Like, I don't know. So this this is just, I just thought the whole thing was interesting, right? Because I think everybody had an idea of what Wizards was looking for. And a bunch of people that you know, you saw a post online, we're just assuming it was going to go to content creators. But that's why I called it out specifically saying, no, this feels like they maybe you're not looking for all content creators to be there. Because let's be honest, half the major content creators are going to be there anyway. You know what I mean? So they don't have to necessarily, they'll probably want some of them, right? For sure. But yeah, it's cool that other people are getting this opportunity. So I don't, I mean, I don't know, this is like in line with what you expected, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I I never thought it was going to be like all content creators, but it, it's this is a good confirmation of that. Yeah, I I'll be interested to see who else ends up announcing that they got because this this also means they're actually we're doing this pretty quick. You know, they're not waiting until the beginning of October to make arrangements for people. I mean, here we are, whatever, like six seven weeks out, and apparently they're already notifying people. So they didn't mess around. They gave the cutoff and then they started going through and contacting people. So credit to them, you know, being on top of it. But this is actually pretty cool. So, yeah, if y'all know of anybody else or anybody that wants to talk about it, please reach out to us so we can have a conversation, maybe even have them on the show just to talk about like the process and what they submitted or whatever, because I, I'm curious. I, I'll probably get it. I, mean, I know I'll write something about it. I don't know what yet, but definitely yeah, if anybody wants to talk about their experience, I would love to learn more about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm truly interested. And not to, like, let's judge Wizards or whatever. Like, I'm just curious about the process, you know? Because, to be honest, there's a billion things Wizards could be looking for, right? At the end of the day, whether we like it or not, whoever they select is still a part of a PR push. Like, people can say whatever they want, feel however they want about it. Like, you still got to do the business. 
You know what I mean? It sucks. Everything is everything yeah. is PR, really. Exactly. That is, so feel how you want about it. So there's there's a logic and a reason they have for choosing whoever they choose. And so I'm not going to judge that one way or the other. It's like business is business. But I'm just curious about the steps people went through, what they decided to reveal or not reveal about their personal stories. You know, just find out what spoke to Wizards or whatever, because I think this is very interesting because I don't think I've ever gotten to know that about the ones that have happened, like we're saying for like Comic-Con and PAX or whatever. But this is something kind of in our wheelhouse. Hell, one of the people effectively is in my backyard, you know. So it's like, can we make those connections to at least find out about what goes on? Because I just found it interesting. So, But it's cool to find out. Yeah, not contrary, just average people have an opportunity of getting to go. And who knows how many submissions Wizards got because of it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> a metric ton. That, that reminds me. I'm going to put a note and see if I can get a conversation with uh crap i already forgot the lady's name but their their diversity director or whatever. Uh, john tell Lason smith yeah because i'm pretty sure she would have had to have been involved in at least even if she wasn't one of the people making the selection was probably at least involved with the setup and criteria so uh let's see if we can get her on and see if we make that happen but yeah just a fun bit of info there for people but I discovered something that people didn't know about big conventions this weekend. And that thing is, if you ever get invited to one of the private presentations or parties or shindigs or to-dos from one of these major companies, bruh, take it. Like, okay. I spent some time talking with some of the different companies this weekend because PAX was going on not far from me. So, you know, I just drove there, hung out, went to some presentations from different groups. And man, I'm going to tell you, like, I'm going to use the Facebook one as an example. Like, it was at a venue I'd been to before for, uh, I saw Welcome to Night Vale. If you don't know what that is, that's a podcast that does like a, I would say horror, but it's more like, whatever, like, themed horror, but it's kind of lighthearted or whatever, but they tell a story and a narrative about this town and it's all made up characters and stuff. But anyway, they were doing a live presentation and reading from stuff in this building. So I knew the building and I went to it. And I'm like, oh, well, they're obviously not going to have enough of us to be in the auditorium. So that'd be weird. But what I found out is there's breakout rooms and meeting spaces at this facility I didn't know about. So you're following these signs, you get in and they've got like the nice white leather chairs all set up. They've got big screens to do the presentation. They've got gifts for people attending, free food, free alcohol, you know, after party with the DJ. I'm like, yo, like, <laughs> like we're, we're doing what now? Like, you know. As I said, everything's PR, and they know that a lot of people, you know, are just not going to be able to, to to take all this and then go back and talk bad about this company. <laughs> yeah, see, and that that's the top level, right? Like, it's hard for you if you're going to go write a review or, you know, you're talking about my time at, at PAX or whatever, wherever they're doing a presentation, right, at Twitch or whatever, or my time at this place or whatever. Like, whatever you say is going to have to have somewhat of a positive spin. Because you ain't going to be like, ah, they fed me. I got all the alcohol. They gave me these cool electronics or whatever. But F them. You know what I mean? Like, that ain't that just ain't going to work, right? And they know that. The other part is, is these big events are starting to occur mostly in the cities that they're competing with other companies for, right? Especially if you're in the Seattle area, if you're down in, in SoCal or whatever. Because a lot of them are trying to get the same programmers even. So you want to be the company that people are talking positively about because, you know, a bunch of those people are going to attend these nerd and geek conventions, tech conventions in their backyard. So you don't want to be like, I mean, imagine if Facebook didn't do all that. But then you found out Microsoft was like shelling out for people. Right. You find out Nintendo's over there shelling out for people or Google or whatever. All the Amazon. Right. All these companies in the same area competing for the same people. So they've all got to keep up with the Joneses. So it, it's a crazy thing, man. It really is. Like, I don't know how much every one of these companies spends, but yo, it's worth it. Make time out of your schedule. <laughs> Go to these presentations, especially if you know they're limited. Like now there's some, if they just have, you know, they're doing a, like say they're doing a panel and they're just talking to the general public, probably not going to be anything. That's just them sharing information, doing doing the normal thing. But if it's a thing that you know is limited to some group, 
you know, whether it's just, just content creators or just business owners or just whatever, right? Those are the ones where they're probably going to really try to impress people. Because, I remember mm-hmm. one year we went to, when I was uh, writing for a video game site, we went to E3 and this is back when the DS was still really popular. And they had this thing. I forget it was, it was some kind of little, kind of like a me where you could interact with other people. Even if you, even if you didn't talk to the person, didn't even see the person, your little virtual avatar on your DS would go up and say hi to this person. So we're all, we'd get back to the hotel each night and say, hey, who, I, and I, I don't remember what it's called. Who, who did my little virtual avatar talk to? We're all like, we're lucky if we got, hey, you know, some, uh, some reporter from Kotaku or somebody, you know, that, that designed the game, the three people had heard of. My boss pulls out her DS. So who did your little virtual avatar talk to? Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto. She wins. <laughs> that's that's the other thing, right? It's funny you mentioned that because you also don't know who's going to be at these events, right? So it's not just about the company themselves. They're also trying to get the best of the best with in whatever category. So whether that's showing themselves to other big business owners, showing themselves to the top creators, you know, whatever, you're going to be in a space with other folks. And that's also an opportunity to engage, to just connect with people. And, and in my case, I was actually spending time with some brand new people that are younger to the community and sharing with them like, hey, here's some tips on, you know, making this brand deal better for you. Because some of them were trying to talk to some of the companies there to set up brand deals. And I was like, hey, try to pitch it like this. Or, hey, don't forget to highlight this about yourself or whatever. And right, giving them some tips to try to close the deal that they may not have necessarily gotten otherwise if that type of thing wasn't going on. It, I would say definitely not uncommon for people to find jobs and other projects at these events. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I even connected with a couple of folks. There's one right now. I'm at sometime between the end of the show and Friday, I'm probably sending them an email to try to say, hey, can we talk more about a possible brand deal for my YouTube stuff? Right. But that all originates from going to these things. And the reason I bring it up is I think even if you're not a creator, right, you could just be, hey, I want to get into the industry. I want to know other major players in this industry. If you get any opportunity to go to any of these private presentations for any reason, I would try to make time to do it. Even if you don't care about TikTok or Microsoft or Facebook or whoever it is, right? the people that are going could be a resource for you. Like just be on people's radar, just talk to people. I mean, I had somebody send me an email the other day about wanting to get into the game industry and being from Texas. So there's not a thing. And I was like, you don't even know what's going on in your backyard. Like hell, uh, what you call the people with world of Warcraft, right? They've got a whole thing down in Austin. You know, there's a company, I think it's Jasco Games, that does like Mega Man games. They do the, uh, the crap, whatever the name was of the, the fighting card game that uses all the different fighter game properties, right? That's up in the Dallas area. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember it either off the top of my head. Like, they're there. Like, Wizards has a whole printing facility in the DFW area, right? Like, there's resource, right? But because this person had never been or had the opportunity to go to any of these industry events and connect with people ever they don't know all this hell you still got even just down in austin you've got steve jackson games or whatever that still does munchkin and all that other stuff right like they're down there so like tons of opportunity to get into the game industry right but it's gonna you got to make those connections every opportunity it's easy to want to go to something like pax and walk around and say oh let me see this new thing that's coming out next month or let me look at this cool indie game or whatever okay that's cool but what is the end value for that? For that, like, if you get to spend thirty minutes, and you could go look at all the new releases or whatever, or you could talk to two, three people in the industry and make those connections and get on people's radars. Which one's more important? Which one has more value? Right? One of them's way more boring, but has a much bigger payoff. Like that's it, you know. So if you're trying to get your foot in the door. Talk to people, connect, get in front of it, get on people's radar, connect with folks on LinkedIn, you know, whatever. Like Some of it's just about being seen. And if you're not willing to do that, it's going to be real hard in the super competitive markets. But yeah, man, private events, totally, totally worth it. Now, I'm going to admit, I did try to go. They tried like, hey, you just come to this thing. We got a DJ and whatever. And of course, it was more free alcohol or whatever. And I'm like, 
nah, I'm good. I'm gonna go work on a video from the hotel room. <laughs> like, I don't need all that. I'm good. You know, sometimes but, you have to, but the opportunity is there. And again, I made some connections, possibly a business thing. I got to help some other people out. So it was a hundred percent totally worth it. But on the discussion of creators, let's talk about a problem several creators have that I've been seeing over the last few weeks. And, you know, I should correct myself. I said the last few weeks, but realistically, it's been over the last seven to 10 days. And I feel like it, this morning, actually, I saw another one. So I'm gonna call it five that I've seen in that amount of time of people talking about what's the best way for me to do a giveaway? What should I give away? How do I do this? But, but it's all related to giveaways. And the truth is, giveaways are garbage. And I know it's gonna sound crazy, but I'm gonna say it again. Giveaways are garbage. Mostly garbage for growth. I want to be specific there, right? I think people have this idea that I'm going to give away something, some card, some rare thing, and people are going to show up in droves and I'm going to get all these viewers on YouTube and I'm going to get all these followers on, on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. But the reality is it just doesn't work. We, anybody who's worth their salt, any consulting company or whatever will tell you that is not the purpose of giveaways. Now, I will tell you, giveaways worth it if you have a partnership brand deal right i i do with ultra pro they are encouraged for me to give away some stuff they send to me or whatever and that's kind of part of the deal so that's, that's what i was about to say if, if it's a sponsored giveaway then that's a whole different deal because you're not you're not putting your money out there plus you're if you, if you give away something for ultra pro you're also going to attract people that that play magic and use ultra pro products which are the people you want to talk to yeah and the truth is that is still beneficial to your brand partner because it will draw a bunch of eyeballs. But it's not necessarily beneficial to you because those are not eyeballs that are going to stay around. Like they're there strictly for the giveaway to try to get something free and they're not going to see those people again. All right. The other thing is if you just want to reward people for an action that you wanted, right? In my case, I do a thing on Twitch where if I get to 25 uh, subs and 75 followers, once we hit both those goals, I reset the clock. But once we hit them, the next stream I do, I do a giveaway. Matter of fact, I have one coming up on Friday. So I don't care if that giveaway generates more viewers, more followers, whatever, because I'm rewarding my audience that was already doing those things. Saying like, hey, because y'all pitched in and helped out, now I'm going to give you something, right? So I know going in that this is not a marketing thing that's going to bring me a bunch of people. I'm just doing this to thank the people that are already there. The other thing is when I see people doing this, especially on like YouTube or whatever, right? I got to a hundred subscribers. I'm going to do a giveaway. You're just wasting money. Like those hundred people are probably the most loyal of the hundred you're going to have. They're not going anywhere. It's not going to generate you any more bodies. And it's going to make a video that's just going to suck that nobody's going to watch because nobody watches giveaway videos hardly. Right? So no point in doing what you're doing. It's just a waste of time. The other thing to touch on really is that I did an experiment back when I believe I only had 2000 followers or subscribers on YouTube. And what I did is because there's no great way to do a giveaway on YouTube. So what I did is I created a form, a Google Doc that people could go fill out. And I made it simple. I believe it only had five very simple questions. But I purposely made two of them, one to do with magic, something about related to a color of magic. I don't know if it was like a certain card or whatever. You had to know the color. The other was at this point in the video, what did I mention when I said X? Something along those lines, right? Basically, one, do you just know about magic? And one, did you even bother to watch my video? And I believe when I was done, more than 40% of the respondents couldn't answer those either of those questions. And then there was another percentage that answered one correctly, and not the other one, right? Which meant they either didn't watch the video, didn't care about magic or both. So that was all the proof I needed, you know, of all the people that filled it out, which by the way, not even the 2000 people I had filled it out because just the way social media works, a bunch of people didn't see it or whatever. And you know, that whole thing. So of the people I did actually have see it or were interested, a bunch of them weren't even regular viewers, weren't going to be followers. Some followed just long enough to be part of the thing to hope I drew their name or whatever, and then immediately unfollowed the next time one of my things popped up, right? 
So even at that size, there was nothing to gain. So I caution people, like, I've seen people say, oh, well, I saw this creator do a giveaway. We're like, yeah, but you don't know their situation. One, they're often pointing to people that had 50 to 100,000 subscribers or followers to begin with. So their whole scale of business is different. Again, you don't know if they're doing it for a reward, or if they're doing it as part of a brand deal or whatever. There could be a bunch of reasons they're doing a giveaway, right? Could be part of it. Just, it might just be the whole promotion, right? That they're, hey, we want to use you to do a giveaway instead of doing it through our site because you have a bigger following than we do right? To get their name out there. That's a very common thing. So you can't just look at them and say, oh, I'm going to follow in the footsteps of this person. Plus, to be honest, they've got more money than you, right? You should be spending that money buying new headset, new microphone, maybe upgrade your camera, get some better lighting, whatever. Whatever it is you're giving away, you could use the money for something more productive that will draw you way more viewers, more followers, more subscribers than you're going to get from just doing that giveaway. So magic creators, I get it. You see the giveaways, you want to be part of it. You think it's going to be something great. It is not. And I would venture to guess a large percentage of any of the people you get that would follow you from that are not going to help your numbers. And in some ways are going to hurt your numbers because the way social media works is it starts to push your stuff out to people that do follow you and whatever. And when they don't interact with it, you get lower click-through rates and lower responses. And then that creates this weird information void that, it's harder for them to push your stuff to the right people. So yeah, not beneficial when you're trying to grow. There you go. I don't know. Did I rant too hard on that dude? <laughs> no, I think, uh, think that covered it. Yeah. It's just like, I just hate seeing people do damage to themselves. Like this is literally free information for content creators, by the way. Like I consult for people and I give away way deeper info, but this is like, Hey, I'm giving you a, a ticket for free just for listening to the show today. So yeah, don't do that. Giveaways don't help. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're a viewer and somebody's doing giveaway, go get the free stuff. Like, it ain't your fault. They're going to give it away anyway. You might as well try to get your hands on it. <laughs> I mean, seriously. But just know that it, it's not a growth. They might think it's a growth play, but it's not a growth play. It's really not. Now, that being said, let's have a real serious conversation here at the dinner table. And... I feel, man, see, this, you know, the toughest part about this, this subject we're about to talk about, I feel like I even have to preface this a certain way, which tells you how stupid this subject is, <laughs> but it's kind of like a double layered thing, right? You, because we're both content creators, especially in the game space, I feel like we can talk about this, but there are times that almost no matter what you post, there's going to be a knucklehead that comes along. Right. Like whether it's you're giving an opinion on how much you like a new game, they're going to come tell you how stupid you are for liking it. Right. Hell, I had one just the other day. I took a different line for a play, still won the game. And you're like, well, I don't know why you did all that. You could have done blah, blah. And literally wrote like a, I must have been a 300 word word wall. And I'm like, yeah, all right. Still won. Don't care. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not even responding to it, but it's like, all right, whatever, man. But then if you do decide to clap back at these people, you know, the ones that are insulting you or your opinion or telling you you ain't crap or whatever, or hell, calling you one of a million different names, you get looked at as the bad guy for treating your viewers the wrong way. I've literally clapped back and said, well, you're not going to get any following treating people like that. And I'm like, bro, did you see he came into my space being an ass? Like, you want me to just like, and then, and then here's the worst part, right? Like those people, you end up deleting the comment or do whatever. Then you get those people start following you on socials. Like, oh, so now you're just deleting comments. You don't want anybody who doesn't think like you or doesn't think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Or where it's like, no, I just don't want to deal with your crap today. <laughs> right? Like, but you're, you're fighting this uphill battle against a lot of things. And then the next level of that comes in. And that's, kind of like I was saying when I was starting the segment is you almost feel like you have to double measure your words because you don't want to just be the angry black guy. And I, and like, Brian, how many times have you been in the space of anything, not even just online, but you know, you're among other professionals or whatever, and you know, you need to say something, but you know, you have to say it a very specific way. Oh, absolutely. Cause you know, it's, 
I guess it's easy to be the angry black guy when you're the only black guy. You know, <laughs> see, that's it. That's it. You can't. You can't wait for anybody else to point it out. It's not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Nobody else noticed what just happened. And that's what makes it so hard, right? Because you know, especially, and, and this is no knock on gamers or on the magic community or whatever, but there's only a handful of us doing magic content regularly to the point that some that were doing content have definitely reduced their frequency or have stepped away for extended periods of time. There's only a handful of us that have been putting stuff up regularly. So you get, unfortunately put in that position of like, I'm the representative of this delegation. You know what I mean? Like you're it, like, you know, and you know, today, Hell, not even today, this month, you might be the only black guy that plays magic that they're going to deal with. So you and I and I'm sure this applies if you're Asian, Indian, I'm I'm sure it applies to other communities. I'm only speaking from the perspective I have. But you have to carry that weight, whether you want to or not. And on some days it does suck because. Man, I ain't gonna lie. There's some days like some of those people would have seen me in person. <laughs> yeah. Man, if today was the day, ooh, man, the insults, the quips, the, oh, man, you're talking about playing the dozens? I'd have had word, you know? But I, there's sometimes you just can't because you know what's gonna come from that. And it's such you a. You think everything's racist. Like, not everything, but a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, not everything, but you, yes. <laughs> but but it's tough, right? Because on the one hand, especially because of my messaging and the show and everything else, you also want to be, what's the best way to word this? The, the example of character for parts of the community, right? That you don't have to stand for this and you can deal with this openly. Right. So you almost say things or respond to things knowing you have to be prepared. Like there's been days I've literally thought, like, I can't respond to this because I just don't have time to deal with it today. And then there's other days that like, bro, you messed up. I got time today. (laughs) Like, Like that's true, though. I mean, that's just straight real. There are some days that like I can't respond to stuff because I don't have time. And. I can't just let that sit there not being dealt with either. So you just get put in an ugly situation and it's another layer of stuff you have to deal with as a creator of color in spaces where there's not much color and it sucks. And it's already on top of that other layer of people just expecting for whatever reason, the creators to be, I don't know of a higher personal character or some such, but like, the thing we have to understand and accept is you are asking a creator that literally, if they're successful, could be dealing with up to a hundred responses a day. If they're even bigger, thousands of responses a day. When the person reaching out to them maybe has a handful of people they reached out to or posted on that day. Right. So the person who's way out of line dealing with just a handful of things is apparently not held to the same standard as a person who has to deal with that person 20 times in a day. You know, and it's just like, where's the fairness in that? So, I mean, I don't know, man. It's it's tough. It's tough. And I know, again, we're talking about, you know, when you were talking about the whole tribalism thing a couple weeks ago, that added a whole other layer to what you were dealing with. Yeah. It just... And... Listen, now a bunch of people like you said, hey, you know, I think you're wrong. This is why. And I'm happy to have that conversation when it's like, I think you're wrong because you're black and you're stupid. Okay, yeah, that's you get out. <laughs> Just yeah. GTO. And then, you know, people want to look at you wrong if you respond negatively to that person. Like, you call me out for something. Hell, I've been accused of things like personal, business, whatever. And it's like, man, even to just disprove that even though it's very wrong and could could have been harmful to my well-being or financial situation, I still had to approach it very carefully. And that's terrible, right? Like somebody's taking a shot of saying something that's obviously not true that could truly affect my life, and I still have to be like, well, let me explain this to you like this. You know, other than, dude, GTFO, you're an idiot, here's why. (laughs) You know what I mean? 
Like you can't just do that though. And that sucks. Like you have to take all the, and, and honestly, maybe this is a warning to content creators. Maybe this is just, Hey, like a plea to average users, viewers, whatever, but just understand the situation. This is something that people deal with literally every day. I mean, hell, even when I was at the, the command fest and whatever, talking to other creators, these are the type of conversations that come up a lot. Like when your creator friends or people that you follow are like, man, I got to take a break or man, this is killing my mental state or whatever. It's this type of stuff. Because they have to balance all of this every day while still coming up with ideas, trying to film stuff, edit things, talk to sponsors or brands or whatever. Right. And this just adds to it every day. Right. This is just part of it. Like a bunch of humans are just garbage humans. Let's be honest. Right. So you got to be a little bit thick skinned to deal with those. But when you have to also be like, ah, I got to deal with this very specifically because I know if I screw this up, it's going to be a whole S storm coming down on my head for something that's completely passive, you know? So, yeah, it's 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 tough. It's tough. And you don't I don't know how we shake that whole angry black guy thing. Or angry black woman thing. Because honestly, I ain't going to lie. The angry black woman thing's worse than the angry black guy thing. Yeah, because, I mean, that literally is, I guess to some extent, it is with men, too. I mean, that's not only just a, a thing that we deal with, but that's, you know, uh, th- th- that's a trope for yeah. characters in media. Just what is this character? They're the angry black person. Oh, for sure. For sure. So that already makes it more difficult. And I just don't know how we shake that. Like, because you have to give people room to at least fairly defend themselves. Now, it's one thing if I do a whole series of videos where I just start getting progressively more negative or something, then like, yeah, maybe I am turning into the angry black guy or whatever, right? But if I'm going to be, and honestly, my stuff is probably too positive for a lot of people in many days, right? So you're, you're the you're the shill for wizards, you know, yeah, you're, so, you're on the payroll. In my head, if that's the perspective you have, I should at least have some leeway to occasionally be negative or angry or whatever towards somebody who's attacking me. You know what I mean? Like that seems very rational to ask for. I don't think that's unreal by any stretch, but you know, it's kind of the hand we're dealt. We know what we're getting into being content creators. And I will say, fortunately over time, I've actually reduced a large chunk of those reactions because of how I've tailored my content the community I've built and honestly how I even deal with the responses and just cutting some people off, banning some people. It's been a process, but it has made a huge difference. And I think it's one of the things that's allowed me to do as much content as I have without destroying my mental state that a lot of other people end up dealing with. So I feel very fortunate in that regard that the, I will say this though. I believe had I not been in business for myself before and had dealt with the public as extensively as I have from all my different things, you know, running events, running conventions, all that, I think it would have been much harder for me. It's almost like my previous life, I don't know, trained me or whatever, gave me the skills to more efficiently and effectively survive in the content creation world, which unfortunately a lot of people don't get that. You know, they're starting out, just hopping right in, not knowing. And I feel for some of those folks because honestly, burnout and, you know, mental damage are probably the most common reasons you see people stating that they're walking away. And that sucks because some of those people are great personalities and benefits to their communities. And it just doesn't have to be that way. Pokimane just said, you know, it's, it's getting to be a little too much. It's got to take some time back. Yeah, and she's arguably, I guess, between her and Valkyrie are probably like the two largest well-known female content creators in the world, probably. You know, and that's saying something because she's making piles of money. And credit to her, at least she's invested her stuff in a few different places. Like she's bought some businesses and stuff. So good on her. So if she wants to walk away, at least she's still got income, you know, but not everybody's going to be that lucky. All right, Brian, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on socials? All right. I am Brian Sonic on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. You can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. 
And boy, I have so much content coming out soon on the YouTube channel, so you should probably go follow. And thank you to all of you for helping me cross 20,000 subscribers a couple weeks ago. I didn't get to talk about that on the show. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourself with the COVID and the monkeypox and hell, soon the flu, like all stuff out there. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.